2: It's
1: nice to have a brand new microphone. Spring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com, chief market strategist. How are you, sir?
2: Hi, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. You
1: did good. Happy holidays to you. I'm sure they're going fine yeah, for likewise. you and your family. I appreciate that. Same to you. Happy holidays on the markets these days, huh? No doubt about it. <laughs> So Dow tops market, eighteen thousand uh, for first time.
3: Yeah, you know, um a lot changed uh since we last talked. And <laughs> we didn't talk that long ago. So uh, you know, right. over the course of that week, uh there was of course uh another FOMC meeting and um you know, I basically have referred to it as the you know, the amazing monetary grace of the FOMC. You know, what was lost in the market, i. e. the buy the dip mentality has been found again because the bulls recognize that the fed is pledging to be patient with raising interest rates and it's going to milk that for all it's worth and uh, lo and behold the you know santa claus rally effort that many were beginning to question has uh, come through in spades here even though it's not technically during at the official point of what is known as the santa claus rally period but um, but the market is certainly ending the year uh, Thus far, anyway, on a pretty positive note.
1: With that said, what is it that's specific? Um, Because I can't put any finger on any, like, one thing that's doing so fantastic. It just seems to be monetary policy, cheap oil, consumer spending's good. It doesn't seem to be one big thing this year. Yeah, you know, it may not be, but you
3: you do have the... The one big thing that has been constant, you know, for the last six years, right? It's, it's interest rates at the zero bounds. You know, you can always point back to that as the, you know, the ultimate safety net here for the market. And, you know, I think what was exposed yet again with this rally we've seen is just how um, fixated or how appreciative, um, stock market participants are on the idea of the Fed funds rate remaining at the zero bound and it essentially is highlighting this idea that um, the alternatives to stocks really aren't that attractive right now. You know, Cash rates are zero and uh, you know, your treasury rates while climbing at the front end or falling again at the back end um, don't offer a whole lot in terms of long-term return opportunities and you still have Uh, you know, a dividend yield on the S&P 500 that essentially is, you know, above the uh, yield on the 10-year Treasury note. So stocks continue to be the place to be for some fundamental reasons uh, here at home and certainly for some uh, fundamental reasons abroad that aren't all that attractive. And so you've got money flowing in from abroad, and you've got money uh, finding its way back into uh, the stock market here
1: as it continues to run. What are you expecting? What do you think could derail all of this? Is it high valuations? Do you see any boogeyman that you want to point out sooner than later?
3: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, it could be, you know, the victim of of, um, hubris, you know, the excess here where things just get so carried away uh, with no regard for any, um, you know, real economic matters uh, that you get, uh, you know, sort of that – that blow-off phase, if you will, where just you just buy stocks and you don't pay attention to anything else, and you get a you know big expansion in the P/E multiple. Um, that's one factor. You know that would certainly be an issue uh, that could create a dislocation if you get something you know news-driven to upset um, uh, the questions about valuations. Um, you know what could ultimately derail, you know, the bull market, and, you know, historically it's been a recession and, you know, right now that's certainly not on on the radar for the US economy here. Um and, you know, if if you're going down a a troubled economic road, the thing you would have to be pay close attention to, though, is this continuing disinflation potentially, you know, leading to deflation. That's not in our forecast, deflation anyway, here in the U.S., but you're seeing disinflation here, and uh, it could create some concerns about, you know, really the the value and the worth of what the Fed is trying to accomplish here, and whether they can really accomplish it, um, and so that could be a you know a source of upset too. But you know, right now, if you just take a step back and we look at things from a fundamental standpoint, you know, exiting 2014, you know, interest rates, long-term rates are lower today than they were when we were exiting 2013. Uh, the rate of PCE inflation. Uh, after today's report, is identical to where it was uh, when we exited 2013. Earnings continue to grow. You know, Non-farm payrolls are higher than they were at the end of 2013, and the Fed funds rate is still at the zero bound. So you have some fundamental underpinnings here that would suggest that the market could continue to uh, exhibit a positive bias uh, as 2015 unfolds.
1: Is there any sectors that you think we should be aware of, obviously with low oil prices? Should we stay away from like obviously maybe oil equipment, or is that because it's obvious not the thing to do, and you do the exact opposite
3: yeah, you know, you know if you I think a lot's going to come down to one's you know risk tolerances and their time horizons, but obviously, when something uh is selling for at a price that's forty to fifty percent less than it was you know six months ago um you know, there's there's some attractiveness in that for a long-term investor, but it's not the type of thing you just, you know, go all in with, right? Uh, because oil prices could continue to come down if this dollar continues to strengthen uh, and uh, producers, you know, continue to, to pump without any um, recognition for the supply uh, factor. Um, and, and so you could see those stock prices continue to come down in the related energy stocks. So if anything, you sort of, you know, average into these positions or you take a partial position here if you're looking for some turnaround potential. So, uh, you know, that's that's one element to consider. But, you know, when I look at uh, the outlook for 2015 and we take into account sort of what the prevailing narrative is, right, is that the U.S. economy is better, uh, is in better relative shape than most developed economies. The Federal Reserve should be raising interest rates at some point. Uh, earnings are going up. Job growth is picking up. Um, ideally, you know, lending constraints are loosened somewhat. So all of that to me uh, tells me that one sector that everyone should be watching really is the financial sector, right? All that potentially lines up reasonably good for the financials. I think that that sector will be a real tell, as far as the market's perspective on how this economy is is tracking and is expected to track in 2015. Uh, the financial sector is slightly outperforming here in 2014. It's had a good year, um, and uh, it should, conceive, you know, theoretically have another good year in 2015 if if that prevailing narrative ends up uh, coming to fruition.
1: Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, chief market analyst with. Briefing dot com first thing I do is I read your comms every morning, so again, thank you for a great year I'm looking forward to next year as well. Any final thoughts that you want to throw out yeah. there as far as things that you're working on, maybe an article that you're starting to ponder, anything that you can tip your hand with
4: yeah
3: uh, well I'm going to be you know looking for this you know we talked earlier about the Santa Claus rally period, right um, This is yep. kind of a you know real sort of fun time of year, if you will. Um, Not a lot of participation, but the Santa Claus rally technically encompasses the last five trading days of the year and the first two trading days of a new year. Since 1969, it's been good for an average gain of 1.6% according to the Stock Traders' Almanac. Um, So we've obviously had a big run right up to that point. Tomorrow marks the beginning of that Santa Claus rally period. So I'm going to watch to see if uh, if Santa Claus does show up this year. I
1: don't know if you can hear it, but my producer uses... Elf, the line when uh, he screams Santa every time you say the word Santa. Um, gosh, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, a little embarrassed by that, but uh, it's funny when I do it. <laughs> it probably makes you feel a little awkward when you hear it on your end. With that said, it's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. You can find him online at briefing.com. There you have that. A couple other things that I want to throw out there today. The Dow Jones Industrial Average above 18000 for the first time is faster than forecast growth in domestic product inside the United States. Boosted confidence in the economy. The Federal Reserve says, hey, we're not raising interest rates. Intel's up 43% this year. Microsoft up 28%. They've obviously helped the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Consumer companies like Home Depot, Disney, and Nike, they've risen at least 22%. It's been a pretty good year. You can see where the velocity has come from inside of the Dow Jones industrial average, just on those five stocks alone. The economy reported a jump in GDP five percent. Whoa. Um for the third quarter. Two to four percent is what you want. Five percent uh, increases the ability or opportunity for inflation out there. With that said, uh <clears throat> We don't have a lot going on there as far as inflation. So GDP grows at five percent annually through July from through September, biggest advance since the third quarter of two thousand three when we were kinda, you know, obviously coming out of a dot com implosion, so it's a little bit easier to do it. This shows strengthened employment now, lower gasoline prices, better household income. Keurig is recalling six point six million coffee makers. Sorry, coffee lovers. With that said, Coca-Cola owns some shares of Green Mountain Coffee, which makes the Keurig machines. Is this the sale that gets Coca-Cola to become the final buyer? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Thanks for being awesome. I really think I have some of the best fans in all of financial media. Uh, I think you're smart. I made a decision 14, 15 years ago to move to the Bay Area because of how smart people are in the Bay Area. Um, I wanted to get out of Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., and, you know, some of my choices were Seattle, um, Portland. San Francisco Bay Area. I considered Houston but for about one minute and then I changed my mind very quickly on that one. Um, I did a nationwide radio show and I wanted to give it up and focus on one market. It makes sense to me. it may not make sense to you. Um, I'm just throwing that out there for you eight hundred five one six. 1220 to get your calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. Um, what else do we want to hit on today? Market numbers. I haven't hit on market numbers. Maybe I should go that direction. Um... Let's see, I'm using a new computer. Don't know if you know this, but uh, my television station moved from the Tenderloin, kind of the city hall part of town, middle of downtown, to the North Market and Media Golds. Uh, obviously, North Market's South Market, South Market, where all the startups are. It's surreal to see. Um, how young people are, and you move from one part of the town to another part of the town, and it goes from, you're depressed, to, holy mackerel, things are going well in the world. So sometimes, your investing in landscape can be persuaded or wooed by what you see, and you got to be careful about that, because... That's where, like, consumer confidence really makes a big mistake. You know, you're like, I hear the economy is bad out there, but I have a job, but I I hear my neighbor might, you know. You start thinking about your neighbor and not you. We have a good economy. I will admit I'm a little weirded out about 2015 because ultimately what we have is a discounting mechanism on Wall Street. We have job growth creation here but we do see worldwide slumps going on. You don't want Russia to collapse. As much as you don't like Vladimir Putin, and trust me, he seems like the biggest jerk in the world, but that's what the media shows me. So I don't know if that's true or not. Um, His actions seem to speak that. Um, His words seem to imply that, but it is pretty much so wildly out of context, considering I live in a cushy part of the world, uh, many, many, many miles away from you know, the direct involvement into his uh, policies. But the thing that I'm kind of worried about is the world is kind of slumpy. It's kind of, it's not sexy. Uh, the United States is good. And I think we're in for moderate gains in 2015 for the first half. But if we continue to slowly add jobs, the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates. And that's not going to be a positive. It's going to be a negative. Um, just throwing it out there for you. It's something you're going to, you know, want to pay real close attention to. Billionaire hedge fund manager David Tepper is concerned about the market in 2015. So I'm not exactly, you know, tying myself to his smarts. Worldwide money was made too easy for where USA fundamentals were in both late 98 and 2014. He continues to note in a statement today that, you know, what happened in 1999 is not exactly the same, but said it was similar. Tech stock valuations soared in '99 to form the tech bubble that burst in early 2000. What's also similar to the events of '98 is the Russian currency crisis. This year rhymes with 1998. Russia goes bad. Easing is coming from Europe. That sets up 1999. I mean 2015. Like so, he's playing around a little bit, but he's seeing some similarities. And history does repeat itself on Wall Street, and that's one of the reasons why the Fed has been so aggressive in lowering interest rates when we had the Great Recession. Back in the 30s, uh, we made a mistake if we make money more expensive. So when we had our great recession in 2008, we made, didn't make the same mistake, and we lowered the cost of money. Um, so markets continued to rally today. It's nice to see. But with that said, keep it in perspective. Fascinating little twists out today, and I think this is a bigger story than it implies. Coca-Cola killed voicemail. The world's largest soft drink company, they've disconnected the voicemail feature on their landline phones. The decision to kill voicemail was made to simplify the way we work and increase productivity. Coca Cola considers texting and email a more efficient means to communication than voicemail, which requires recipients to manually click through the recorded messages on the phone and listen, transcribe important information. A lot of employees were upset about the change. The change will save the company about $100,000. People north of 40 are schizophrenic about voicemail. People under 35, they ever scarcely ever use it. Um, <clears throat> I've got a cron voicemail because I switched. we switched buildings. Cron's my TV station. Um, and I haven't set it up. But I haven't used it in like six years. There's six years of messages on it. Let's hope it's not like my mom calling and leaving messages. Rabbit, come pick me up. I'm stuck on a desert island. And I know you're saying your mom's stuck on a desert island with a phone. Why doesn't she call someone else? Well, that's a pretty good question. I didn't think that one through. But, uh, yeah, don't leave me messages. I just see who called, and I call them back, and I don't listen to messages. Fascinating. I'm Rob Black. Uh, find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Got a big new event coming up in the month of January. You can learn more about my events at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. It's a wealth management retirement planning event, January 15th. Take a break here. We'll come back, I promise you. I'm not going anywhere. Talk to you shortly.
2: Twelve twenty. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
1: Some pretty awesome headlines out there today. Including, but not specifically tied to any... Shape form wonder of why it's coming out of my mouth. Floundering Mattel is trying to make things fun again. Barbie and Hot Wheels. Big overhauls there. Apple pushes an automated security update to users. Interesting. This is for the Macintosh computers. Apple's pushed its first ever automated security update to Macintosh to help defend against newly identified bugs that security reaches as born could enable hackers to gain remote control of computers. VPNs. More and more people are going to go to them. There's a security ETF. You know there's different ETFs, um, Exchange Trader Fund, Mutual Fund. There's a new one called, it's been out a month, it's called HACK, H-A-C-K. I think security is a trend. I think in the last 18 months, I could think of Staples, Home Depot, Target, oh, and Sony, um, to say the least of uh, what's been happening in security issues. And it is a big, very expensive problem. And companies like the banks, they're starting to say, you know, it's not our fault that Target got hacked. We're not helping pay for this. So it's an issue. Under Armour has had an over the top 2014. Smarter, faster, more colorful. 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 <laughs> colorful. Sometimes words just get stuck on me. Under Armour, the athletic apparel maker, um, it's 18 years old. Its sales are going to pass $3 billion. CEO thinks it's on its way to a $10 billion and $20 billion future in the near future of 2020 and or sooner. Um, they're number two. They're past Adidas, as far as sportswear brands go. And uh, I like their stuff. And I think most people do. And at times, we could say, screw you, big company, and go with the other big company. But screw you, giant big company. We're going with the other company. Larry Flint is making a porn version of the interview. If Kim Jong-un and his henchmen were upset before, we could be at nuclear war sooner than later. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, how are you today, Chad? Great, how are you? I'm well, thanks for asking. It's always good to have you in studio talking financials, talking money with me. You often say that you can't start a financial plan without a budget. Now, again, there's a lot of things you need to know about money. Budgeting is one of them. It's probably uh, close to the top of the things that you need to know. Budgeting and goals. Yeah, I mean, you know,
4: a true financial planner, a true fiduciary that's going to actually create a financial plan for you is going to be very cash flow oriented, which means long-term cash flow projections, long-term projections of even your tax bracket. And you can't possibly figure out whether or not you've saved enough or how much you have to save until you know what you're spending now and what you're going to spend in retirement. Until you've created a budget. I mean, I can't, I can't do anything for people until I know what their expenses are. You know what I mean? Right, unless, right. Unless, they, unless I can look at their portfolio and say, oh, well, you have way more than you need to retire on. I need a budget. It's, it's one of the metrics that you use to say, are you meeting your expectations in retirement? Are you meeting your goals or not? So younger people just really need to move slowly and buy what you can afford. That's, a, that's the first thing about budgeting when you're younger, is buy what you can afford. Don't buy what your parents already have. Buy what you can afford, because people are going to be judging you by the size of your portfolio when you retire,
1: not the type of car you drive. So, so you're saying the size does matter. Of the portfolio? Right. Definitely. Absolutely. So budgeting, you just brought up a concept. There's retirement budget, but there's also a pre-retirement budget it's- simpler terms, like my lifestyle, I need a budget. I need to make sure that I'm not spending more than my paychecks.
4: Yeah, well, you've got to look at the budget and see how long certain things are projected forward. You can't just look at your budget if you have young kids right now, especially in the Bay Area if you're in an area where you're using private school. That expense isn't going to be there forever. So some certain expenses, uh, private education, certain kids' costs, you know, the ballet every month, the soccer costs, that's going to go away at some point. But other things come back in in retirement that you've got to project as well. Like most people spend more money in the first five years of retirement than than when they're, their last five years of working because they're, they're doing either the honey-do list or the vacation dream list or buying the RV or the second home. All of that has to be projected. So you have to sit down and say, what do I want my retirement to be like? Am I really going to be happy if I just quit working at age 60 or 65? Do I have hobbies? Do I have things that that excite me, that I'm passionate about, that I want to do, and how do I fund that? You know, how do you make money work for what you really
1: want your life to be like? So I get the whole Rob Black's lifetime budget. You know, I get what I'm spending, what I'm not spending, what I'm saving, what I'm not saving. Um, I use mint.com, which stands for com. It helps me with a budget because it tracks all my spending. Yeah. Which yeah. is basically what a budget is. Track your spending first and foremost and then start, you know, adding other lines into that budget. Uh, what do you think about mint.com? com?
4: Um, I think, uh, you know, if you can get past the first couple of quarters where it's kind of monotonous, you got to make sure things get categorized the right way. Sometimes if you're using certain cards, things can get double booked. So there's some definitely some weekly cleanup that you want to do for the first couple of months on bit. MIT, and then, and then hopefully it gets automated for you. You sign up your credit cards and, and debit cards, and then it tracks your spending and helps you categorize that, and then you can see how you're doing versus other families in your same kind of
1: zip code area. You know, are you, you spending more or less? Are you cool with uh, using an online tool like Mint.com where it's yeah. tracking your finances and you're not worried about hackers?
4: Yeah, the 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 thing that I've seen is, first of all, most credit cards and bank cards, you're going to have that $50 limit where you're, you know, responsible for maybe the first 50 bucks. But you got to keep an eye on it in case something happens so you can shut it down. Most of the bad cases of identity theft that I've seen have to do with mail. You right. know, the, people that sign up their credit cards online, as long as they have a, a a pretty recent with spyware and adware that you're constantly, you know, set your computer up so you're doing a screen every night, obviously, um, it, I think it's a lot safer to pay checks online than to write checks. Okay. And, and I'm not worried about the, the online theft, but, you know, go ahead and get your identity theft insurance if you want to.
1: So we need to wrap this up a little bit sooner rather than later. We talked a little bit pre-retirement budget. Let's talk post-retirement budget. What are some of the surprises that people need to start allocating for that, that expense?
4: Your dreams, first of all. So you've got to make sure you sit down now and dream what you want your retirement to be like that and budget for that. But don't forget, you've got health care costs. Medicare insur- medical insurance isn't free when you turn 65. You have Medicare. You've got to pay for Medicare Part B. That's one hundred and fifteen or so a month or more if you're a successful person and, and have a higher income. And you've got taxes. Most of the money people are retiring with are in their 401K. So you've got $1 million in your 401K. That's really only seven hundred grand after taxes.
1: Right? Absolutely.
4: And then inflation, that's the biggest one. Healthcare costs are going up at 5 to 6%. The value of a dollar is cut in half every 18 years, so you can't assume that your your income will be level in
1: retirement. You've got to be able to increase it with inflation. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com or com. He is a CFP. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, invested, and more. CFP, Chad Burton, myself, do regular events around the Bay Area talk about wealth preservation, retirement planning. We have one coming up January 15th, early in the year. Good time to start the planning process um, and learn more about where you stand. You can get more information at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Some of the biggest names in music are threatening YouTube with a billion-dollar lawsuit. A group representing the biggest musicians in the world, uh, Pharrell Williams, the Eagles, John Lennon, Chris Cornell, Smokey Robinson. Um, They're saying that Google doesn't have the rights to their music and that YouTube should take down thousands of their songs. That fishtails nicely with Pharrell, his song Happy, made only $2,700 in songwriter royalties from 43 million plays of Happy on Pandora. I think 2015 (coughs) might be a year where Taylor Swift started a little bit of a movement taking her songs off music streaming services. Whether it be YouTube and or Pandora, there seems to be a a little bit of a battle coming. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. i say one of the big stories was that Twitter shares jumped after an analyst predicted Dick Costello would exit the company. His days are numbered, and a lot like Scott McNeely, for years I would say on the radio. As soon as Scott McNeely retires or gets fired, I'll buy Sun Microsystems. The stock went from 60 to 30. As I said, as soon as Scott McNeely retires, I'll buy Sun Microsystems. It goes from 30 to 20, 20 to 10, 10 to 6, 6 to 3. He gets cut and that's when I buy, and I sold it at six. Um, Costello has to go, and until he goes, I'm not buying. Um, I don't think he's got vision. I think he was a stand-up comedian once in his life, and I don't think that's visionary, per se, in the world of technology. I don't think they go hand-in-hand. Hand. You can find me online at robblack.com. Let's talk a little real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, com. Tony, do you remember the movie Gung-Ho? Uh, Gung Ho with, um, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, 1986. Um, it was all about the Japanese coming to the United States and helping our automakers learn how to make cars better. We taught them how to drink beer and burp and how to play softball. Hilarity ensued. The tight Japanese management versus the loose American blue-collar worker. Um, I bring that up. Do you know why? Tell me. Because in the 80s, there was this big fear that Japan was going to buy all of New York. They bought a big building in New York. They bought the Seattle Mariners. The Seattle Mariners. How dare they buy an American tradition? Right? Yeah. What happened to Japan in the 90s? We, they were this economic superpower in the 80s. Right. In the 90s, they fell apart and America became the economic superpower. We, we, we hand the batons off from time to time and things change. But there was also this fear that Japan was going to buy all of our real estate, which is hilarious. Because just recently, China spent an enormous amount of money. They bought seven hundred twenty-five, seven hundred twenty-five billion. Holy mackerel! What was that number? Um, they spent an enormous amount of money buying a piece of real estate in New York, the J.P. Morgan Tower, sixty-story building. So there's now this fear: Is China going to be buying, or is China the next Japan? Um, and it wasn't just big buildings. It was uh, single-family residences, especially here in the Bay Area. There was a realtor down in San Jose said that they there was a, one block that they had. The uh, foreign investor came in and bought um, several homes that were in foreclosure. Didn't even
0: move into the homes, and then turned around and sold them at the uh, recently. So yeah, there was a
1: big push of foreign investors in the United States. You know, the United States is one of the few countries in the world that a foreign investor can own property in. And it's he- and, and one of the reasons is it's it's helping our real estate boom again. But those investors are drying up right now. That's one of the reasons why we've seen a stagnant uh, um, home sales growth and home price growth right now. So $725 million will get you a Manhattan office building with 60 stories. Just in case you're wondering if you have basically three quarters of a billion dollars lying around and you want to throw it out there. Um, again, I bring this up because things have changed a lot. And we always forget that. We always live in the now, and we live in the last three years. But, uh, you know, gung-ho, you know, who was the World Series champions in 1986? Uh, probably the Tigers or something. It's going to make you wax nostalgic. It was the New York Mets where Bill Buckner booted the ball. Okay. Um, the Boston Celtics were big in tennis. Uh, Yvonne Lindell, the NCAA football champions, Penn State. The hottest model was Christy Brinkley. Like, that's pretty crazy stuff. Um, and, again, Real estate will work in another cycle again. The U.S. economy will work through another cycle again. We won't always be the best of the best. Some people would say that it's time for Europe to wake back up and be dominant. Um, So throw your investment dollars not where the real estate's being bought now or who it's being bought by now, but where the area's been struggling sometimes is the right concept. You know, 2013 is going to be remembered as the government shutdown year, but it's also going to be remembered as – the European stock markets had a pretty good year, even though the European zone, European union is admired in, you know, sub zero percent growth or zero percent to almost, you know, fractions. Um, so don't pay attention to now pay attention to where the ball's going. You know, who made that famous, right? Bob Buecher, who knows? They say Wayne Gretzky changed hockey because he said, don't skate to where the puck is, skate to where the puck's going. And if you've ever played pickup hockey, um, it's exhausting. I mean, you skate, you skate, you skate, you skate. You finally get to the puck and some jerk pushes it to the other side of the rink. So you skate, you skate, you skate, you skate. So you got to figure out where it's going. Anyway, same thing in real estate. Same thing with investing. That's Tony Mendez. You can find Tony at com. That's com. Robots, robots, robots everywhere. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money invested in more. California delays rules for driverless cars. California's Department of Motor Vehicles will miss a year in deadline to adopt new rules for cars in the future because regulators first have to figure out how they'll know whether driverless vehicles are safe. It's a rare case of the law getting ahead of an emerging technology and reflects regulators struggle to balance consumer protection with innovation safety, one of the chief selling points since self-driving cars, thanks to an array of sensors, promise to have much greater road awareness than people do. Um, they don't drink. They don't text. They don't doze off. Um, I've got a friend who recently told me, like, I don't want to die in the car because I'm tired. How awesome is it that 20 years from now, that won't be the issue? Um, And I say 20 years because the technology is five years away, but 20 years because before... Uh, technology gets embedded in all cars. It's probably going to be a while. And then you get the turnover that's real slow. Um, but like next year, car manufacturers have to start putting uh, reverse cameras in every car so that when you're reversing, you don't run over somebody. Um, I think that's awesome. But that was a feature 10 years ago. So a lot of companies, what they're selling in as the high end now become the product of the future as far as um, building it in, technologically speaking. Twitter shares jumped after an analyst predicts Dix Costello leaving. I love that story. Um, Coca-Cola killed email, voicemail. This is interesting in large part because people under 40 don't like voicemail, and they don't use it. I don't. Um, When I get a message from you, unless it's some hot chick saying, Robert, I love you. I love your big, strong biceps. I'm like, delete, delete. Um, Text me or email me, either or. Texting probably more preferred than email. One of the reasons why companies like Snapchat have done so, so very well. Um, Apple pushed an automated security update to their users. That's nice. Home prices rose more than expected in October. Home prices prices rose more than economists estimate in October as rise in employment and falling interest rates boosted buyer demand. Keurig is recalling 6.6 million coffee makers due to burn risk. That's interesting to note in large part because... Uh, I can't even tell you why it's important on Keurig. When I hear Mr. Roboto, I lose my mind and the track is... In it, and I'm on it, and I'm not gonna talk about Keurig. My no, Mister Robato. I challenge you not to sing along. Thanks for listening to the show. I mean that, again, if I had a heart, I'd say from the bottom of my heart. But as most of you know, I don't have a heart because I eat old people. And it's caused my heart to shrink up to 14 times too small. But one day it'll swell again. It's 130% true. Um, One of my favorite restaurants just sent a gift card. Uh, Last chance to get 20% off your gift cards. And i probably eat there once six times to eight times a year, and I know my bill, so I'm going to load up for myself, buy myself some gifts. Someone, Mark Cuban, brought that up, he basically said, if you're not an investor, you should ultimately use the holiday seasons to stock up on massive discounts on things that you need, things that you consume. I don't think that's very stupid, I think that's very, very smart. Um, so right now, I'm seeing, you know, Forty percent off, fifty percent off. Uh, maybe it's the gift cards are what I want from things that I'll use in the future, and not necessarily things that I want right now. So if Banana Republic were to send me, for instance, a thirty percent off gift cards, I'm buying because I probably spend five hundred, six hundred dollars on shirts there a year. I know you're saying tacky, tacky. Okay, it's a little bit on the true side. Eight hundred five one six. 1220 to get your calls in the air. Where are my calls? Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Let's take a look at the market numbers, because it's that time of the day when you can say, head for the mountains. Um, wow, Cameron Diaz is engaged to Benji Madden. And the question is, why do we care? Why are you the I can't come up with an answer for you, sorry. Um, SP 500 at four. Dow at 79, Nasdaq down seven. Ten-year treasury bonds, it's at 2.2%. Last week, LAST WEEK! Remember when you were one week ago, older, younger? Look how far we've come. We're at almost 2%, and we're at 2.2%. Last week, the market was scared. Um, in the middle of the like Monday, Tuesday. And then it roared up 5%. Just crazy. Crazy, I tell you. Um, gold sits at 11 78 an ounce. I predict gold to have a bad year next year. Okay, maybe if I get my act together on December 30th, December 30th, I'll do a show called Top Things I Predict for Next Year. I don't think gold's going anywhere, but lo- 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 lower. <laughs> I'm going to do, stutter... do a stuttering show. My uh, sales director's like, let's do more theme shows, because I did a, a whole theme this year on Back to School, and uh, he's like, yeah, let's do the theme shows, and um, my theme show <laughs> is going to be the stuttering show. And it'll be instead of women investing, it's gonna be called Ladies Night. And uh, any woman who calls can call gets on the show. I'll push you to the front of the line. Keep in mind there is no line, but you get to go to the front of the line. Dow above eighteen thousand for the first time, and it's like dun 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 dun. dun. Happy days are here again. Dun, 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 dun. No, I don't really care. It's just a round number. I liked it as much at $17,999 as I did at $18,001. Um, I'll just throw it out there for you. Some of Warren Buffet's biggest stock bets have tanked in 2014, and that hasn't gone unnoticed. Warren Buffett's stock-picking prowess or lack thereof this year has suffered mightily. Berkshire Hathaway is crushing the S&P 500. Yay! But some of the bad news. British supermarket chain Tesco took a nosedive on accounting issues. Uh, He dumped all of his bet. Some stalwart U.S. stocks owned by him, Coca-Cola and ExxonMobil, have limped through the latter stages of the bull market. IBM, which Buffett placed his first big tech sector bet on, and skeptics say was a lofty stock multiple, is now under fire for failing to deliver on earnings. IBM, the lowest performer this year the lowest performer on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Um, But you overestimate his portfolio because he's bigger than that. He's a guy who does a lot of cash flow. He's not looking for rate of return comparable to the S&P 500. Um, And that's, you know, something professional investors do. You know, my goal is to protect you in a down market. It is not to get you a home run in a moderately up market, it's to get moderately up performance, but to protect you in a down market. Current operating environment, Berkshire's underlying divisions are contributing high single-digit, if not low double-digit growth. Insurance division in particular has done well this year. Um, I would still bet on Buffet. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. I think the most interesting analysis that came out today was from David Tepper, saying that a lot like 1998, we had Russia implode, and he had high-tech valuations starting to scream into 1999. And that's where we got frothy. And he's saying next year could be time to pay for a little bit of that froth. Um, David Tepper, a real smart guy, a real smart guy, Um, I'm not saying sell everything. I'm saying to look at your risk in your portfolio. Look at some of the things that have done really, really well. I'm not saying sell that and buy bonds, but maybe take some off the top and get in some lower valuation sectors of the market. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for putting up with my technical issues. I think they're in the rearview mirror. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.